Hi, this is Bethany, your host of the Random Yogi Podcast, a weekly podcast about holistic living and physical, emotional, and spiritual healing, and of course, plenty of yoga and Ayurveda. We offer bonus episodes each month featuring yoga flows that you can do at home, as well as guided meditations. Thanks for joining us. Listeners, today I am here with Anna Del Castillo from TikTok. She's one of my favorite creators and was really instrumental in my healing this year, which she didn't even know until we talked for the first time. So I'm very excited to have her and please excuse my voice. I lost my voice over Christmas. So Anna, I'm going to just hand it over to you. Tell us about you, your journey, where you are in life. Um, and then we'll, we'll do some talking about all the healing stuff you put on TikTok. <laughs> it's like, tell us about yourself. Uh, by the way, I think your voice sounds really hot. So um, <laughs> I know it's probably not a pleasant experience to be talking with that voice right now, but it sounds great. Um, tell you about myself. Um, How did you get where you are? Oh, God. Good golly, Miss Molly. Okay. So <laughs> um, I'm going to give you the, the, the sort of short, long version. If if that makes sense. Um, like a number of people, not everybody, but certainly a number of people, I grew up in a home that was um, violent, sexually violent, emotionally violent, um, psychologically. You know, I grew up with uh, parents that were uh, not in touch with reality. <laughs> it's like on the surface, everything looked great. Like we looked like a family that really had it together. My father was a rags to riches story. He was very, very um, ambitious. And um, on paper, you know, we had all the bells and whistles. Um, I had, you know, like we had everything. Um, but behind closed door, and he was someone who people would tell me all the time, this is what was messed up. People would tell me all the time, God, you're so lucky to have him as your father. And behind closed doors, he was he was monstrous. And um, so he really did have a very split psyche and personality. Um, and people thought that my mother uh, was the one who was awful, which she was in her own right, you know, because for, for reasons I'll get into in a moment, but she was reacting and responding off of someone who was, you know, um, like he would literally walk through the door and the whatever mask he was wearing, that kind of like smile, he would just be angry and cranky and wanted to be, you know, it was also a different time. I'm 54. So, you know, at the time it was a very, and, and my father is, was um, Hispanic. And so it's a very machista, very, um, um, you know, a woman cooks and cleans and shuts up and, and, you know, the man makes money and et cetera, et cetera. So it's that kind of dynamic. But, um, you know, we had beatings in the house for silly things. You know, you didn't drink your orange juice. You spoke up, you didn't speak up. You, you know, so you couldn't figure out what was the, if he was in a bad mood, he, he, he walloped you. Do you know what I mean? And it was, it was not really predictable. Um, although my, my oldest, just figured out how to completely subsume his personality and his wants and like he just disappeared. I, I was the third child and um, 
you know, your th the third child, they sort of let you play on the streets with knives in the rain. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like by that point, it's like you figure it out for yourself, you know. But I, I was very quiet and terrified and as a, as a small child. Like really, you, you look at me now and I'm like out there and I put myself out there. I barely spoke when I was a child. I would hide behind legs and I was out of my body a lot. I, teachers told my parents all the time, you know, she she's always in the clouds. I never even know. I, they thought that I was slow and that I, there was something wrong with me. And and um, um, and it wasn't until later on that I, I started to come out of my shell and started to form really a defensive uh, personality, like a, like a defense mechanism personality. Um, so I really fought back at some point with my dad. And, um, and my mom was really the kind of person who just allowed it all to happen. And even though my father never really laid a hand on her at all, um, he didn't have to, it was all psychological and emotional, but, but he really did all of that and laid hands on us. Um, uh, she defended it, you know, she comes from an era that she, it just was like, at one point my mom had said, I'd much later on, I was like, why did you allow, like, why wouldn't you just like pick up and leave? Like he's doing all this stuff to us and you saw what was going on. Like, why wouldn't you just get up and leave? And she was like, eh, you were such a strong child. I never really thought you would mind it. I just never thought you minded it much. Oh yeah, my mom. And that I could tell you like tons of story. Like you can't, you, you're not, you're not seeing what I see, but like literally like big eyes and oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and like that, I could tell you a bunch of stories like that. Like there's just, in households like that, reality is warped and twisted and you are groomed. And the person who tells the truth in a household built on lies um, is the um, enemy, the scapegoat, and the one who is um, to be squashed um, uh, and controlled. Like everybody's trying to, to control things so that um, um, the system can continue going as it is, but it's a sick system. And whoever's the healthiest is the one who's treated the worst. Were you um, the healthiest? I was the healthiest. I ended up going, I mean, and I was the one who showed the most problems because of that. So I was suicidal. I tried to kill myself. Mm -hmm. I went, you know, I was in the hospital. I ended up going to therapy. I was on drugs. Like I like was, I was showing all the signs of what was wrong in the house. Um, and so I was the one who was in therapy and therapy helped for a little while. And, but I, like I was made out of Kevlar, like I just had so much, you know, growing up in a survival household like that, you don't really get to develop normally. Um, <laughs> you're, you're, I did not develop normally. Let's just put it that way. So, and then on top of that, I was a beacon of what had happened with my dad i was a beacon i was sort of a magnet for men men who are are um uh on the hunt for young girls and boys um look for certain things and i was a number of those things that they were looking for i didn't speak up i didn't have parents that protected me um i was deeply shy and reserved um i was uh um, i was such an innocent that i didn't <laughs> this is how completely like la 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 <clears throat> i got my period and had no idea of what even a period was like wow. none 
none. I did not grow up in the internet age, right? I had none. And I grew up in a, in a I went to school at a religious um, uh, Hebrew school, like a yeshiva for a while, even though I'm Cuban and, and they, but like my, my parents, my mother is um, from, her family is from Turkey and from that part of the world, Middle East. And so we're Sephardic Jews. And so I grew up for a while in a yeshiva. So like all of that was not really taught, especially at that time, or I guess they just assumed your parents would. I literally started bleeding and I started to freak out and showed my mom and my mom was like, you're a woman. I was like, what the hell does that mean? Like I had <laughs> no idea. So imagine all of that. So I was just a magnet, you know? Um, and so I attracted a whole bunch of, of, terrible experiences as well. I, I, I hate to say it that way because while that is true, it also puts all the onus on me, right? And, and I don't mean for it to sound like that. What I am saying is that there are men and women in this world who look, you know, if it's a dog eat dog, and I don't think it's completely a dog eat dog world, or if there are people who out there who are looking for prey, what I'm saying is that I was pretty good prey. Well, you know, I was talking to my best friend the other day and I was telling her um, because, you know, some of us, if you've had trauma in your past, you are a magnet for it. And she was saying she doesn't like the word narcissist because people who have been raised in that dynamic tend to use that word a lot. And I was like, okay, but that's because it's what's familiar to us. So we attract it into our lives. And she's an occupational therapist in the schools. And she said, you know, I never thought I see children acting out because it's the only way they can get attention. But I never thought of what that looks like when you're a grown up and you're trying to deal with the dynamic you were raised in. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to say there, and we'll maybe touch on a bunch of stuff that you just said there a little bit later on, I think. But I, I, you know, I was that person. I had a whole bunch of stuff happen. I, I was hard. By the time I got into puberty, I hadn't been set up. I hadn't been, but I finally discovered power through sex, sexuality. I was like, oh, I have something that people want. And I, it was the first, and I knew my mother's version of power. If this was what power was in the world, my mother's version of power, I wanted nothing to do with. My dad's version of power, if that's what power was, then I was going to do that. And so I used whatever skills I had to at my disposal, which was my sexuality. Um, and men had taken advantage of me, and so now I was going to make men pay. <laughs> and so I became, for a while, a pretty, pretty effective. Um, man-eating viper like I was a I was a, a a reptile like I just had no feeling I I had been created as someone who just didn't have empathy like I hadn't had that developed in me I I was dynamic at that point I'd finally learned how to speak up and and I I you know a brief story which is at some point I stumbled into an audition for um Wizard of Oz I don't even know how I stumbled into this. It was at school. And I, someone was like, anybody else wanna, you know, the person who was directing it or casting it was like anybody else. And I thought, oh, I could do this, I could do this. And I, like, I didn't even know what it was. And I raised my hand and auditioned for Dorothy and like got bit by the bug of theater. It was a place I could, I could escape to. It was something that I just loved doing it. And as a child, I always loved singing. I didn't know, anything else i just loved singing even as a very small child i would sing all the time even if i didn't know i was i didn't even know i was singing i would just sing and that was how i connected to 
something higher and God, that was like my way of praying. Um, so it's sort of like all held together, but it helped me get out of myself when I was on stage and I started training and doing all that stuff. Anyway, became a viper and would have probably stayed like that. I think for a lot of years I was in therapy, but for a lot of years, <laughs> my, my, I mean, this is not pretty stories, but you asked me what made me, um, uh, for a number of years, I just didn't realize, didn't know that not cheating on some, like, I just thought, well, you cheat on everybody and you treat everybody terribly, you know? And so that's how you control. That's how you do Like, like, that's how it is. So I did that for a long time. And then at one point, really without a lot of depth, I was like, maybe I shouldn't cheat on people. Like that was about as, de <laughs> as deep as that, like my waters were very um, shallow. Um, I just didn't have a lot of humanity developed in me yet. And um, I was in therapy, blah, blah, blah. I was doing my life. I was pretty successful. Um, I was on the road with a show touring, uh, with a Broadway show that I, I had set my sights on getting and I'd been on Broadway and et cetera, et cetera. Things were good, right? I was like making money. I had separated. I had started to confront my father about things. I started to confront. And as typical of what that happens when you start to confront, because I finally was like making a life for myself. When you start to really call people out, um, everybody turns on you and your family. That's usually just what happens. Um, <laughs> if they had the capacity to be like, you know what, you're right. We should all talk about it. They would have never been the case to begin with. But what, you know, you're, you're, there's the, oh my gosh, the hope of like, it, it's, I really think that the trauma is really not the problem. It is the, 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 the crazy, abusive, gaslighting, um, uh, sort of shame and pretending that what reality is, is not real. That is far worse on a certain level than what happened. Do you know, mm -hmm. like the fact that the people who you love and care about can't actually um, admit that something happened and then blame you for it and then punish you and treat you as though you're the devil. That is far more abusive than the actual abuse. Um, and so you're sort of left with these open wounds walking around like emotionally and psychologically bleeding to death and wanting the, wanting the person who you want to doctor it, which is your parents, right? Your family. And they're the ones who are stabbing you and hurting you and doing all that stuff. It's just a terrible situation. So I was inside of that when, I mean, none of these stories are really great stories, but I mean, they're not happy, pretty stories, but that was going on. And I um, was on the road with a show when I got a call at like three in the morning. One night I was in Grand Rapids, Michigan of all place, places. And I um, got a call in the middle of the night saying that my father and my brother had both died. And I got on a plane and went home and discovered that they had both been murdered terribly. Oh, and I remember when I could still cry about it. I just, it just is what it is. And this was over 20 something years ago at this point. But I remember when it happened, the day that my father and my brother both died, I had an overwhelming desire, overwhelming, like something in the back of my head, pushing me, yelling in my ear, telling me, call them, call them, call them and tell them that you love them. Call them, call them, call them now, call them now. And I was so angry. I was so hard that I was like, crossed my arms and I was like, no, fuck them. Um, it was who I was at the time. Um, and then when I got that call at three in the morning, I didn't have the details, but I knew I got, I remember being like, I have to go home. I have to go home. 
And I got to my knees and I was like, oh my God, I didn't call my father to tell him that I loved him. And then that undid me for decades. Right. I, I almost didn't make it because of that. Like wow. the hard reality of that. A, that I still loved the man, that that had never died, that I um, never called him to tell him that. And that, and the thing is, and I've talked about this in different places, love when you don't give it rots inside of you. It turns into like, it's like you can have a beautiful meal, but if it sits un, uneaten and congealing, it turns into just like rot. And that's what it is about love. And so I didn't, and I didn't know how to even process love. I was not a person who knew how to love. I didn't know how to feel feelings. I didn't know how to feel anything. I was like, like Peter Parker, right? Or, or one of those like people who like get bit by a radioactive spider. And then all of a sudden you have these like powers and you're like, I have no idea. And you're just like insane. That's how I was for a lot of years. And so I had to go back to square one. I, I, I understand that that event undid me, not just the fact that I didn't, didn't tell my father, my brother that I loved him, but I, that whole thing that I, my father died in the way, like, like how he was killed was I had, I was so angry with him. I'd visualized like doing something like that in my own mind. So imagine all of that, like, like they call complicated grief. Yes. <laughs> Understatement. And so I could barely function after that. I was not leaving my house. I like, I'd been touring the country singing for presidents too. I was living, I was the life of the party. And I went from that to barely being able to leave my house. I was agoraphobic, didn't know that I had a panic disorder. I had a panic disorder that I developed. I had all, I had gone back to suddenly I was going back. I went back to, um, uh, showing signs of, um, um, oh gosh, what's the, uh, and um, it'll come to me. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a, an adaptation that I had when I was a kid. Um, but what it had blown out that event was the narcissistic adaptations. That sort of hard inability to feel empathy, um, using people dog eat dog world that I had created for myself as a way to live. Um, in the world that I'd grown up in, all those defensive mechanisms blew out. I could not put myself back together in the same way. And so I was feeling, I was feeling a lot um, and didn't know how to, I didn't have any of the neuro, neuronal pathways built. And so um, I went into, and also this was before a lot of the, you know, trauma informed stuff. I, I, was stumbling around in the dark and wanting to die every single day for a lot of years, for decades. And I started to come up with a plan, which was, it was, it was, I was making it up as I went along. First of all, I found out through some random thing that I had a panic disorder. So I started just like managing that by, by body work and breathing better. I started to literally like, like, um, look at and data wise, just like my breathing. And that helped me like 80% of the symptoms of that. But I started doing gestalt therapy and I started to do very, very aggressive somatic stuff. I jumped out of a plane. I started doing like roughing. I started doing this energy thing. I started doing, um, stuff about like not Tantra, but like, you know, I 
like a orgasmic meditation. I started doing like literally anything that was started doing stuff that was about claustrophobia. I started putting myself on the, I started to do anything that would cause my, I thought this happened in my body. I'm going to have to figure out how to, how to, uh, how to address my body. I wasn't making stuff up. I just was following something. Anyway, all of that happened, et cetera, et cetera. I got better and better and better and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad that you didn't die in any of those years because I think you are amazing and you're a light on TikTok. What is Gestalt therapy? Gestalt therapy is a, um, how do I even bring this up? So if I'm talking to you and my, I've got my leg crossed and my leg is moving up and down, like my foot is moving up and down or I'm tapping my foot on the floor. Um, Gestalt really pays attention to what your body is speaking. So we don't actually like, you know, you might go, the, the person who's my therapist might listen to what I'm saying, but then they'll go, what's going on with your foot? What's happening there? And it's a sort of yes and form of therapy. Everything is included. Your body is constantly talking. It's a form of of therapy that that listens and respects everything that is um, happening with you in your body in the moment. In pre it brings you present as opposed to what a lot of therapy does is that you're constantly talking, talking, talking. This gets you out of your head and into your body, and you get oh, to that's like awesome. it's a little bit. It's a little bit like internal family systems, but not really the same thing. Yeah, and it sounds a lot like uh, body keeps the score and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I also want to point out to the listeners, um, you know, if, because I know that we have an epidemic of suicide in this nation, and if you had given in to, to dying all those years ago, you would not have helped me all these years later without even knowing who I am. And so listeners, please, please, please understand that even though Anna had no clue who I was this year, her TikTok helped save me because I also this year had been having some suicidal ideation and things like that. And you were my touchstone. I would get on TikTok. I would go through your videos. And so if you'd given in all those years ago, I might not be here now. So um. I say this all the time that, that moves me. I, um, I, we become the person who would have helped us had we been had that. Mm -hmm. I pour out a lot and speak to the me I was when I was younger, um, and what I would have needed. And so I'm, uh, I'm, I saying that I'm glad that you heard what I was saying doesn't quite touch on the real feeling that I have, but I'm glad that you're around. And um, uh, I'm glad that I was used well that way, if that makes yes, sense. Yes, your life mattered to mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad that I was used well. So what did you, once you stopped being on Broadway and you got through your healing process, yeah. what what did you end up doing? Tell listeners. What did I, can you repeat that last part? What do you do now? How do you help people? Oh, golly gracious. Well, so I'm, I'm a certified coach, but I'm also um, what I call a rightness expert, which is, so as you could tell, I had a lot of wrong 
I was trained to feel wrong. I thought that I believed deeply that I was irredeemable, that God, that if there was a God, that God hated. I mean, I really believe, can you imagine living a life that was that, where that is your belief structure? Um, my life on a day-to-day -day was just not a fun experience. And um, at some point I made a uh, decision. I don't even know if it was in words, but I just thought, I'm going to, I know the day it happened, it was around Christmas, many, 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 many years ago. I'd been wanting to die every day, every day. And somehow I was figuring out how to get myself up and do stuff, but it was sort of a slog every single day. And um, I remember being tired. And this was around Christmas one year. And I remember being like, I'm tired, I'm tired. I don't actually want to fight anymore. I don't, I don't, I don't have it in me. And I said to myself, I, you have permission to do anything you want. That means if you want to die today, you're, I, I take my hands off of it. You are welcome to it. And I uh, walked around the city. I was living in New York at the time. I walked around the city, not knowing what I was going to do. And I, at some point, you know, Christmas trees are on every corner around the Christmas time of year, like people selling Christmas trees. I bought a little tree. And then I went to the dollar store and I got lights and some things and put them up and, and I didn't have any emotional or anything. I didn't even put any meaning to it. I just was like following whatever it was. And I put up a little tree and I put up lights and, and ornaments and things. And I looked at it and I thought, huh, I guess I didn't want to die today. Okay. Um, and then woke up the next day and just kept following that. And I thought, I don't really listen to myself. And so I'm going to figure out how to listen to every single part of me. I'm going to figure out how to bring every single part of me home. And I don't know how to do that. I don't even know if it was even that form, but I just knew that that was a threat. That was a beginning seed. And so I just started to figure out for me what was the impossible, which was to genuinely love and care for myself, all parts of myself, even the parts of myself that had been... Um, beaten and used to the point that it was nothing and the part that was enraged and the part that I thought was convinced that I'd killed my father and the part that I had never told, called my like I just was like going to figure out how to piece it all together I made everything right even all the parts that were deeply wrong I just internally from the ground up learned in real time how to do that and i and i've always been someone who people listen to <laughs> even when that was not good news <laughs> even when they should not have been listening to me <laughs> like really but i've always had that as a gift like that is a charm of mine um and so people would I'm telling you that that people would I would sit down at a cafe and people would sit down strangers would come and they would talk to me and I would listen and the kind of listening I had would just make things right the kind of things that I would say I just had that for years and years and years like for years and I when I was walking around being like what am I going to do with my life like people were like you do this thing every single day have you lost your mind <laughs> and I'm like I can't I don't know and like I anyway I just started to do what I did every single day, which was listen in such a way that it had what felt terrible to a human being feel better. And I knew how to 
locate people on a map. Like I, I, when someone felt like they were so shattered and they were lost, I could look at them and I knew I'd been through so many spots that I could literally look at them and go, and I could just pluck them and go, here you are on your map and this is the way out. And I know actually how to walk you because I understand that you don't have much power in your legs right now, but we're just gonna sort of support you inside that until you have your own power in your legs. And then like, I'm gonna make everything right that you feel is, you're convinced is wrong. Um, um, I developed the gray in between what happens for us is a lot of black and white. So I developed a lot of gray and I know how to develop that in people. So that's what I mean by rightness expert. I quiet people's minds and enlighten people's hearts, but I, it's a process to do that. Um, well, and I love that you call yourself a rightness expert because right before you and I spoke last week, I had seen another creator on TikTok talk about there's no such thing as a maladaptation because all of your adaptations kept you alive until this point. And so when you were explaining rightness to me last week, I was like, oh, Okay, so we're all okay. We we've done what we need to survive, and then you just help people make it even righter. Yeah, yeah. I I bring like humanity into what feels like inhumane, um, and I also have a lot of expertise from the inside. You know, I'm one of those people who's rare, and I don't think that it's common for a lot of people. But I I can speak from certain adaptations, like real adaptations, from the inside out, and I can tell you what is hopeless. And I do mean like there are certain people who are like just it's like a, a train doesn't care if it runs you over. A train is just a train. Um, there's just not a lot that's been developed over there. I can see what that is and I could see when people I just have a lot of more sight around that because of whatever upbringing I have. No, schizoid, schiz not schizophrenic, but there's a way that's like, I've had schizoid adaptations, which is like where you just like sort of leave and you're floating and you feel like you're in space and you're sort of a floating head and stuff like that. So, and life is really sort of terrifying. So I had that, like I have a number of, um, for, you know, it's a, it's a blessing, but it, at the time it didn't feel quite like a blessing, but now I could see when people are in real shock or when people are in real despair or when people I could speak to it and I and I I'm I have a sort of where angels fear to tread um ability to speak to it and where people are like Rah! I could go right into the heart of it and be like all right we're gonna pluck you out of despair I know how to do it come with me um so I do that and at some point my healing as it had had gotten so, I don't want to say complete because I'm still, you know, a work in progress, but, but the part of me that had looked in the past and was still digesting and digesting and masticating and masticating, that process got more complete where a lot of my energy started to go forward. And I then thought I have a lot to pour out in what way can I do that? And then I just started, I literally just started doing what I do every single day, but I just started doing it on a more, all right, let me do it on TikTok. Let me do it and on Facebook. Let me do it on Insta. Let me do it. Like, let me just do it in all the ways that I could start pouring out. Let me just pour out what it is that I have. I just, there's a way in which very, very much my, my big, uh, overarching arching goal right now is to um, wring myself out and leave everything like I just want to be well used. I legitimately I'm like use me well with whatever it is that I have and so that I leave it all in the field and then I could say maybe the first half of my life <laughs> I was but at least the second half of my life I was I was um, I I did better 
by humanity, you know? Yes. And yours is a life that has so much value to so many that you don't even realize how many you're touching, I don't think. And not only that, you are gorgeous. I always look at your videos and I'm like, I want her hair. I want everything. Like, I just love everything about you. So what was your, I love that your healing journey took place really getting embodied. Cause I've noticed that's really where mine is taking place. Talk therapy didn't do much until I really started with a um, EMDR and somatic yeah, 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 yeah. And I think we're just now really getting to that mind body connection. We, we lost it for centuries. So <clears throat> what was the hardest life tactic? Like for me, it's boundaries for you. What was the hardest thing for you to learn how to do? I mean, a number of things come to mind. Tell us all of them. I'll if you're comfortable. Yeah. I'll tell a couple of them. They're so many, they're, it's, they're, they're, they're all related. Um, the process of growing ones, I, I don't want to speak lightly about this because first of all, I want to talk to the people who are listening to this and who think that your, you, you might be listening to, to this and think your process, you're particularly broken because you feel, and I'm going to tell you how I used to feel and still do. It's just that because I've grown so many, I've done this over and over again, like, like hundreds of thousands of times at this point, that the process for me feels different, but to grow neuronal pathways that never got developed, to grow new patterns, to grow whole object relation, object constancy. These are, these are things that, that, um, are, are, developmental stages that children should quote go through in normal places but normal ways but we don't not all of us like we're in survival mode because you're talking about boundaries you're talking about things but those are all like whole object relation and object constancy they 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 are like i hold the ability to see you as a full person rather than just all good or all bad right mm -hmm. or I still hold you in my mind, even if you leave, I don't panic. I don't like, there's all these different ways that we're like, argh, we're just like, like sort of pretzeling ourselves to be able to like survive our childhood. And there's more than that, right? To grow neuronal pathways legitimately feels over and over and over again, like we're dying. It's an internal feeling of panic and hysteria and there's a feeling of like you will do anything in your power not to feel the sort of drowning overwhelming horrible dread that comes up and then you start to look around and go what's wrong what is it me it's someone else and you're convinced that there's something wrong with the world or you were so like it and to be able to grow the ability to hold that sensation and not do anything about it, not cause drama, not fight with people, not hurt yourself, not think that there's not be convinced that there's something wrong. The feeling is so overwhelmingly wrong. Overwhelming to realize that your emotional and psychological bones are growing together. <laughs> mm -hmm. And to learn how to hold that, that has been truly like that comes before anything else. 
that holding on to learning how to do that and do that gracefully and do that well and be able to hold people and speak to it for others too that then we could talk about boundaries then we could talk about all that stuff but that has been the most challenging thing and that mm -hmm. is the challenging thing for everybody that is why people drink do drugs do you know fuck do like fuck people and like eat too much the work too much that, that feeling to get away from that horrible feeling is why we do all of the stuff and so unless we address that we can't really address. sometimes we have to do it like backwards and sometimes it depends on where a person is at but that thing has been the hardest thing to learn well um, i'm surprised um as i've gone with what you just said i was surprised to realize how many of us don't have good um emotional dysregulation self-soothing skills because yes, yes. that's what you're talking about and you know you would think as a grown person especially a grown person that i'm childless but a lot of my friends have kids you know we should have those things and I've noticed, I think it's almost a generational thing. Like our parents gave us what they could. Okay. Your parents were not so good. <laughs> I mean, they gave me something. Listen, I had two parents. Like, I still think of myself as the, the, you know, I had two parents. I even had a grandparent. That's actually having a lot in a household. You know what I mean? Like my dad had a lot of money. I went to schools. I had like food on the table. I had clothing on my back. I had like, there were certain things that if you just do a marker, I actually had a lot. Do you know what I mean? I passed for white. So that's a privilege that I have. I'm also a tri like, there are certain privileges that I had that I was not like I didn't have to deal with where other people have to deal with them. So I'm, I am clear about where I actually won the lottery and where I did not win the lottery. Mm -hmm. You know, I could see that with clear eyes. Um, but so, yeah, a, a regulated nervous system is, is like winning the lottery. It's very much like being a millionaire. And I'm not sure anyone has one. I think we all have to work towards that. I mean, I think some of us more than others. Yes. So what are some, for listeners who just identified so much with what you just said about the overwhelming feeling, and I understand, you know, this is a podcast, obviously you can't do that much, but what are some quick tips that you could give <laughs> listeners if they're listening right this minute? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that's how I feel that right now. What yeah, could they yeah. do right now? Well, first and foremost, I see you. I know that there is someone out here that sees you and gets it. And I want before we even go into prescript prescriptives about what to do, I want you to know that there's nothing wrong with you. You are not broken. You are not irredeemable. You are not made in such a way that God hates you <laughs> or the universe is like discarded you. I understand that you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, but you don't know my life. This person didn't and mine, and I understand that. But for right now, I'm speaking to you. There's nothing wrong with you. And I understand that the feeling that comes up, the sort of like drowning feeling, overwhelming feeling of there's something wrong, there's something wrong, there's something wrong, there's something wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. That is your system desperately, desperately trying to get your attention. Now we have to figure out in what way you can listen without drowning. There are lots of very sort of quick science-based 
real world based things that you can do that help. I'm going to give you a prescriptive right now, which is, it's like, I just sort of talked about this thing and then I'm going to give you something that's sort of so basic and it feels like, but cold water dips, <laughs> like ice baths across the board. It has been shown to have dramatic effects on our nervous system. If mm -hmm. you can do that once, three times a week, you could dip in either a really cold shower in the morning. And you could get in there for like a minute, three minutes, five minutes. Just be under cold water or be inside of a cold bath. Your nervous system will start to regulate. You won't have to be like inside of it. Like I'd want to at least calm it down. Another thing, if that's not cold water is not your thing, it's not my thing. I do it, but it is not my favorite <laughs> thing. Um, if I don't know what's going on and my system is desperately trying to get my attention and I'm in a fight where I'm pushing it down and the thing is trying to come up and you're back and forth and back and forth and you sort of feel like you don't know what to do. You don't know whether you want to scream or cry or die or get into it like you just can't soothe the inner screaming baby. I um, put on some music and I um, move my body in ways that don't make sense at all. Uh, like you can see me, I'm literally like, just like shaking. Like I'm literally just shaking. I shake my arms. I just like let whatever's inside of me come out. And I do that for, if I can do it for 15 minutes, I do it for 15 minutes. Please start small. <laughs> like literally just do it for like a minute. If you can just do it for a minute, do it for three minutes, do that consistently. Then if you can do after that for a minute or two, write and don't write anything that makes sense. Just write vomit. I was, I was, I, that, made me, that was uncomfortable. I didn't like it. That horrible woman, Anna, told me to do this thing and that made me feel nauseous and I wanted to faint. And I don't even know if this makes any sense. And God, like, I just want you to write puke up stuff. Just get it out, get it out, get it out, get it out. And then go for a walk. Go for a walk in the sun. There's something about ambulating literally from left to right that changes your psychology. Mm -hmm. I call it uh, brain flossing ever since yes. I did EMDR therapy. And now I have uh, on any of the Spotify or Apple music, you can actually get EMDR music that goes yes. slowly and can, and I, I tell my friends, I'm sorry, I need to brain floss right now. I'm telling you, it is like, so much of how our system gets regulated is from like 10 minutes of sun in the morning. First, like if you can get 10 minutes of sun, if you walk around, it will sh shift. Cold water baths, walking in the sun. If there's no sun, walking around for 20 minutes will actually shift a lot. There, I have a whole stuff, something physical. If you're someone who, like I don't want to be an ableist, right? So if you're not someone who could move around very much, breathing will help physiological sigh. It's what happens when we finish crying. There's this, you can do that. If you could twist a towel for a couple of twists. If you can, if you can move around at all, I, I like, these are a couple of things. If I'm talking about like basic things, there's a whole bunch of other stuff to do. It's like, 
visualizing completing your task. Some of us are inside of a cycle of, of breaking our own hearts where we say we're going to do this thing and we have these grand plans, right? To fix our lives. But, but we have to start small. Like if you have, if you're not a runner and you want to run the marathon just for the next two weeks, just put on your sneakers, <laughs> just get into the habit of putting on your sneakers. You've won. Then the next two weeks you put on your sneakers and you walk around the block. Great. You've won. Just like do small things where you set yourself up to win and you can actually tell yourself, I've done something good. Make your bed, brush your teeth, start small and start doing something consistently. Those are some like, I don't know, off the top of my head. Yeah. Breathing is really helpful. Getting touch that's healthy. I'm not talking about like having someone like Traeger is a great body work thing where just like Traeger body work is something that like is a shaking where someone where someone does this very gentle rocking shaking on you and it reminds your body how to go back into its its uh, relaxed state so wow those are some ideas well you know i was thinking when you said even just getting out in the sunshine um if you can't walk one thing i do when it's warm enough is um, I go out in the mornings for my morning coffee, take my shoes and socks off and just put my feet on the earth because there's been so much scientific evidence about what the earth can do when our feet are on it and get my 10 minutes of sunshine with my feet on the earth. I mean, I can walk, obviously, but I don't walk but with my coffee. You don't want to, but if literally where you are is like, I just can't get myself to walk, then do what she just said, like get out and just put your feet on the ground and take in some sun. And, you know, during the day, I'm a lawyer and I'll do that sometimes if I really get overwhelmed because, I mean, we say lawyers hire out their passion. And so occasionally I will have, um, you know, someone on the other side who's just ridiculous and insulting. And so when I get out of court that day, often there's a park near the courthouses. And so I will literally just go to the park, take my shoes off and just put my feet on the earth and breathe for a little while because otherwise I'm going to get in the car and kill somebody. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. By the way, I want to say something to to this. If you're listening to this and what comes up is an overwhelming feeling of like, I can't, or there's a lot of fight, inner fight and war that comes up for you. Understand that where you start is really small. So if those are too big, I want you to start, like when I'm with my clients and with people who I'm working with, we start wherever you start. Like, I don't care about where, like I don't, I, my agenda is never about like, no, you have to do it this way. No, I listen to, so you listen to your system. If the only thing you can do is be in a fetal position in bed with their covers over your head, then if the only thing you can do is breathe, then breathe. Do that for five minutes. Then you won. Mm-hmm. If you well, my, got out of bed, that's a win. You start small and you do that every single day until you build that muscle. And then the muscle goes to the next thing, right? You pick up the emotional five pound weight, then the emotional 10 pound weight, then the emotional 15 pound weight. I don't want you to do anything that feels too much. You are building your self-esteem and how you build your self-esteem is by the part of you when it says, I can't do it. You figure out where you can say yes to you every single day. And that's where you start. And then the next time you have enough musculature that when the part that goes, no, you're going, no, I'm, we're going to, we're worth it. I love you. Let's go. Well, on another simple one that my therapist gave me is uh, sour candies. At first, in the very beginning, she just had me carry um, Sour Patch Kids, which I don't really care for. 
But scientifically, if you're eating something sour, your body knows you're not being chased by a bear because you're not going to stop and eat a lemon when you're being yeah. chased by a bear and your nervous yeah. system will calm down. It's great. That's a great, great, so great, great tool. Easy If tool. you're in bed right now, just get you some sour candies and put That's it on right. your nightstand. Suck on a lemon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which used to be an insult, but isn't anymore. Yeah, it's not anymore. That's right. It's for your health. <laughs> so if there was one thing you could leave the listeners with, I mean, I think you've given us so really much, did. but if there's one piece of advice or wisdom you would like to leave the listeners with before we conclude, what would that be? If you have a, uh, a, a critic in your brain, that's overwhelmingly loud. Um, understand that the part of you that is trying to survive and um, uh, do life right is desperately trying to save you. It's not doing it well, it's hurting you, but it's desperately trying to save you. There is another part that is being criticized that we don't pay much attention to. We always pay attention to the, to the part that's like, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts, but there's a part that's in a fetal position that's being abused internally. If you can, if you can ask, your body questions. Where, where is that part in my body? What does it look like? If it wore a hat, what kind of hat would it wear? If it wore shoes, if it had a mustache, if it, if it like, just get to know it, what color is it? Um, is it made out of, um, does it hold water? Um, what would, and then when you finally sort of get a feel for it, what would it say if it could say anything? What does it feel? If it doesn't have any, any words, what noise would it make? Get related. So much of the hell that we feel is, is about avoiding the pain. And a way to get related and lean in is to start to be, bring our curiosity and, and, and ask better questions, not what's wrong with me. Our brains are computers. So it'll be like, oh, what's wrong with you? Let me give you 17,000 things about what's wrong with you. But if you ask different questions, where is it in my body? How can I care for you? What's it, what is it that you'd like me to say? What would you like to say to me? You live with me. How do I live with you better? If you start asking those kinds of questions, better questions, better answers will come up and you'll start to form a genuine relationship to you. And you are worth knowing. You are worth relating to. You are worth being curious about. All the parts of you are worth all of that. And so if there's anything I would say is that if you don't know where to start, start there. If people would like to work with you, how do they find you? Well, I am on TikTok. I don't hide very much. I just didn't think about it. So I'm on TikTok as Anna underscore Dell underscore uh, Castillo. Um, I'm on Facebook. I've got a um, website, which is uh, myrightness.com. Um, what else? I have a class coming up for, I've got two things coming up. There's one thing which is a masterclass with a woman who I just adore. She's the foremost um, expert. She teaches other therapists how to um, handle and um, 
recognize people who have narcissistic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, and schizoid personality disorder. She's just brilliant and funny. Like the both of us get on and it's a serious topic, but we laugh all the time. We're just like, we know how to say it in a way that's light. So that's a one day masterclass. It's like a two hour thing that's gonna happen um, in January. And, um, and then I'm also starting a, um, it's a rightness class for women where we're gonna talk about all kinds of different ways. So it's two um, classes with me, one with another expert. I know a lot of people and then office hours. So, cause not everybody can work with me one-on-one. -on -one. It's too expensive, but I, to be able to have people get a flavor of it, I just wanna be able to pour out. So that's another option as well. And, and those two classes, the information is on your website? Well, the second one will be soon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the first one is on my website, the one with Dr. Eleanor Greenberg, yes. Wow. Well, I am um, so pleased that you came on today. And I just, again, you have mattered in my life. I know you've mattered in a lot of people's lives. And your life at the end is going to be very, very well spent. Thank so you. thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I really want to connect with and interact with all of you. There are several ways we can do that. On Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Central, I will be live on TikTok so we can discuss the prior Monday's episode. Additionally, you can screenshot this episode, post it on Instagram with your thoughts, comments, questions, and tag me at the Random Yogi Podcast. Again, on TikTok, I'm the Random Yogi. And on Instagram, I'm the Random Yogi Podcast. Thank you again. Hi, everyone. We've already given away a $25 Starbucks gift card. Now we're having two more free giveaway random drawings. First, between January 2nd and March 31st, anyone who subscribes, if you haven't already, and leaves a review of this podcast will be entered into a random drawing for a $25 Starbucks gift card if you screenshot your review, post it on Instagram, and tag us at the Random Yogi Podcast. The second drawing will be for anyone between January 2nd and March 31st. Anyone who interacts with us via Instagram or TikTok will be entered to win a $50 gift card to Amazon. And in this drawing, you can be entered multiple times to win if you interact with us multiple times. The way to do that is either screenshot an episode and post it on Instagram with your observations, comments, and questions, and tag us at the Random Yogi Podcast, or create a post on TikTok about an episode with your comments, questions, observations, and tag us in your post at the Random Yogi. Again, on Instagram, we're the Random Yogi Podcast, and on TikTok and Facebook, we're the Random Yogi. These two random drawings will be held in early April and the decision of the podcast is final. So no complaining if you don't win, but there will be more free giveaways as we go through the year. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us this week. Please support the Random Yogi podcast at patreon.com to get bonus content and merchandise. Please join us again next week and thank you for listening. Thank you.